All right, welcome in. Cube Show podcast, normally a college football podcast, but we have a little bit of an announcement for you today, and I'm excited to sit down with Conrad Thompson, uh, somebody who's helped me out a lot in not only this business, but the radio business, my professional life, really every aspect of life, and uh, somebody who a lot of you guys that are college football fans may not know, and if you don't, then you don't listen to wrestling podcasts because... That's where Conrad is all the time. And he has 72 of those in which he hosts and appears upon and has uh, started and stopped and restarted and made better and made worse. But Conrad, how you doing, man? Man, I'm so great to be here with you. You know, we used to do this every day when you were uh, doing Huntsville radio. It's like old times. So thanks for having me on. I, um, so for, for folks that don't know, Conrad is a, a mortgage wizard. And that's how he kind of got, well, he got to start selling vacuums, actually. I don't know if we need to like spend a ton of time going into that, but uh, the mortgage business kind of got him going and that's how he and I first met. Now uh, you have this conglomerate of podcasts, Podcast Heat, that is uh, kind of a part of the Westwood One Network. You guys have gracefully invited me into that, even though um, I'm not a wrestling podcast. There's just you feel like there's a little need for college football talk in, in your inventory. Is that kind of what we're dealing with here? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. We, we got uh, a wide and varied group of folks over there, not just wrestling, but yes, we are <laughs> excited to have college football. But you'll be rubbing shoulders with like Melissa Joan Hart, brother. I mean, this is a wide and varied cast of characters here. She, um, she actually lives down the street from my buddy Matt Norby, who you've met before. Uh, really, Lake, I had no Tahoe. idea. Is he in Nashville, yeah. Yeah, they're like, uh, well, no, they're the Tahoe house that they have. So, yeah, they, um, which I guess when you teenage witch was good, uh, those residuals, yeah, they work. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're not having me. the Michael Ower problems with, with Sabrina, <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> I want to start, not. I want to start with this. Um, before we even get into like the, the exactly what's happening here. Can we start with this? Can you tell the story of how we first met? Sure. I, um, I had been advertising my mortgage company on the radio in Huntsville, Alabama for quite a while. And, uh, Cole was working for, I guess, a startup sports station, not the heritage sports station in the market. And I guess Cole's deal at the time was not only was he an on-air host, but he was a salesperson and he could sell his show. And I was uh, in a growth mode, so we were expanding and opening other offices, and uh, it was difficult for Cole to pin me down because, you know, we would set an appointment, and then I would have some sort of, you know, fire alarm pulled in Nashville that I had to jet out of town for, and we just missed each other. And then it finally happened. We got together, and I could tell that Cole and I were going to be fast friends, and somehow, someway, he introduced another friend into my life, and then Cole moved to Timbuktu, aka thirty minutes away, which basically meant he was dead to me. And uh, that that other person became Cole's co-host. And man, you guys had the most fun morning show in the history of Huntsville Radio. Of course, we're talking about our friend Cassio Kid, or as you had to refer to him for a while, Yamaha. So the good old days. It is uh, it's nine twenty six in uh in god's time central time yes and he is nowhere to be found not accounted for we have made multiple attempts both from conrad's and my end mutual parties uh to have cassio be a part of this um we hope he's okay but no one has any idea <laughs> so uh I, I, are you surprised that of all the things the real life matt mitchell chose to do 
in life that morning show host was it i mean he how miserable was he on a scale of one to ten when you guys turn the mics on and say 601 on a tuesday morning here was the biggest problem i don't even know if i've ever shared this with you before and you actually didn't share the correct story in which we first met i'm gonna i'm gonna get you to share the other one in a minute um so he I mean, obviously, he's a comedian by trade, so he's staying up in the comedy clubs till what, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning. You get yeah. done at, at midnight and you're obviously all ramped up. I know it's similar to me when I get done with the game. I was like, I'm not going to sleep right away, even though I have a 550 flight. And so, you know, and then he's hanging out with people. He's having fun. He's traveling. And then, you know, he's doing stuff, you know, out in L.A. where who knows what time you're getting finished doing different things. So he had to actually try to go to bed. So his his remedy for that was NyQuil. Mm. And so he would come in and he, he would, he would literally be slurring his words and oh. just, I couldn't keep his eyes open. He's like, sorry, brother. Uh, I took NyQuil last night. And I was like, what time? He's like, oh, like 1130. I'm like, you're not going to be able to move until 9 PM this morning or 9 AM this morning. <laughs> so he would chug NyQuil and then he would come in with these energy drinks. This was like before energy drinks were even really popular. And he would just sit there and slam these energy drinks. And then by like 9 15, we'd be, we'd be rolling. We started at six. Um, yes. it was this, it was this ongoing cycle of I'm dead. I can't move. Okay. I'm awake. I feel great. And just trying to trying to harness all of that, uh, doing a morning radio show. But it was like you said, it was the most fun I've ever had doing a radio show. Um, I think it's the most entertaining show I've ever done and still to this day. And I miss it. But uh, but it was an absolute blast. And the the story that I was hoping that you would share is when the last hour, that last hour always should have been its own show. Yeah. Like that is the greatest hour that ever existed in radio because he came alive you guys didn't feel like you had to just talk about sports. You're getting silly debates. Yeah. Things like what's on the Mount Rushmore of Little Debbie snack cake. <laughs> and the show was off the rails. Dinosaur fights. <laughs> the best show ever that last hour. My goodness. It, um, it, now, I will say the final hour of the show did not contain Molton's Minute. So it'd be tough for that to uh, to, to fill in oh. as the best part. But yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, the story I was hoping you would share, Conrad, was when you were doing a coat drive for first family mortgage and mm. you and I had never met in person and the salesperson at the radio station that I was working for basically told me that you were coming on the air with us. And so you came up to the oh. station and you walked into the studio and I had never met you. I did not know yeah. we were going to do this. This is one of those where a salesperson comes in and says, Hey, by the way, uh, mm. nerdy mortgage guy is going to come and sit here and talk about coat drive that he's doing and then talk about interest rates for like 10, 15 minutes. You good with that? Well, he's spending money on the station. Well, I'm going to say no. Yeah. It sounds really <laughs> exciting, kid. Let's, let's do that one. Where are the rates right now, by the way? I have no idea, but I'm sure the listeners are going to love it. Yeah. I do remember that. And, um, you know, listen, I, a lot of people who know that you and I are friends sort of scratch their head and they're like, how are you guys friends? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And they'd say, he is the biggest a-hole I have ever met. And I was like, <laughs> I've only experienced that one time, but listen, he's my a-hole now. He, we're, we're cool. But that first day, yeah, you could not have been less interested or less motivated to have a conversation. And by the way, we're not really there to talk about interest rates. Yes, I had a mortgage company, but I was trying to get people to go to the back of their closet and pull out those coats you <laughs> haven't worn in a few years, and we're going to donate it to the homeless shelter. And Cole was like, yeah, GFY, GFY. I'm like, okay, 
I'm here for the homeless. I'm looking for coats, man. That's for donations. And you're like, yeah, you're ruining my Auburn talk. Uh, I don't, I don't really, I, know, I don't really remember that. I barely do. But I remember Conrad telling me the story a couple of years later. And he said, I came in and I sat down and you said, Hey, Conrad Thompson with first family mortgage here. So we got a coat drive going on and you pushed the microphone away and sat back in your chair. hundred percent. And just, that was it. It was not for me to filibuster. Like I'm not participating in this. This is being forced on me. I don't want to do it. That's that's when I knew. Okay, we're gonna. If I can get through this hard shell, we're gonna be friends because this is my attitude towards everything in mortgages. I, like my favorite thing at the time, man. Every radio station in town is coming to try to sell me stuff, and I've never met them. You know, they've never met me, but they would sit down and they'd say, "We're here to help you get to the next level." And that was a pet peeve of mine. It's just like, you don't know what freaking level I'm at now. So how can right. you tell me about the next level? And oh, the secret sauce is your 10,000 watt AM station. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Cole, if I opened this window and yelled outside of it, more people would hear me than would hear that station. Like, I could oh. just yell, first family mortgage. They heard more. Like, it's crazy. Uh, so that, that turned into us becoming friends. And then I'll, I'll never forget one day we were just kind of, I think we got, went and got lunch or something at Piccadilly and you're like, Hey man, I think I'm going to start this podcast. Um, oh, yeah. this guy named Rick Flair is doing this podcast and he and I've gotten to know each other a little bit and he just doesn't know how to do the, the ins and the outs and the transitions. And I think I can help him with that a little bit. I was like, yeah, I think you'd actually be pretty good at that. And you guys kind of cranked that up and then it's sort of from a corporate standpoint went away, came back, you're able to manage it all. And then you figured out how to make this podcast thing, not only work, but flourish. And so podcast heat is now where like the umbrella, where all your podcast that, that you have something to do with live under. And I just want to tell you, I appreciate you guys having me in. I'm excited to be a part of it because obviously you guys know what you're doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, as you were just spent some time on with our producer, John, I, I essentially just get in front of the microphone and start talking. And that's about the equivalent. Uh, I'm, I'm able to tweet out a link every now and then, but that's about it. As far as me knowing what I'm doing here on these podcasts. Dude, I, I learned more about football and college football from listening to you and watch. I mean, I, I still tell it's been almost 10 years ago, but I remember you came over when Auburn played Kansas State Thursday night. Kansas State. That's it. It was a Thursday night. And man, just you, you may having, have had some cornbread from Moe's that night. I didn't. You had it all. <laughs> uh, we ordered Moe's barbecue and they would usually slide the cornbread in there as like a little thing they put in the tray with the ribs or whatever. Well, before anybody even has a chance to get a piece of cornbread, just the crumbs are left or in, around cola. Yeah, it was good. Y'all should have some. <laughs> uh, anyway, dude, I learned so much just with you holding the remote and you'd pause and rewind and we're all, you know, we think we know what we're watching and we're talking about what a great job the running back did. And man, look at that run he had. And you're like, nah, that's the left guard's heel pivot. And we're like, wait, what? Or some craziness like that. So you rewind and break it down. You were, you were John maddening on a damn TV in my basement. It was fantastic. So the idea that you're going to be able to bring that knowledge. I mean, I really have so, said this from the beginning, but like your talent was too big for Huntsville and respectfully, it's too big for Birmingham I'm glad you're getting to share that with a worldwide audience on uh, on ESPN and the SEC network. And now here with Podcast Heat, because when it comes to the people who understand the ins and outs of football, 
Like, I think you're, you're top of the card, man. You're the main event. You're the Roman reigns of college football insight. And I'm glad that, you know, we get to help let people know that. I'm glad you sort of made that transition because there are a couple of different ways that I want to try to weave college football and professional wrestling together. One thing about Conrad, you guys might not know, uh, if you've paid attention to a lot of what I said, you probably assume it, but he is super business savvy, but he's always been very interesting to have conversations with about sports related things from a business perspective, whether it was Floyd Mayweather and pay-per-views or Vince McMahon. And when WWE first developed an app and how it would work and why it would work and why it wouldn't work, I would have these fascinating conversations with him because I kind of brought it from the sports side of things and he paid more attention to it from the business side of things, but we were both a fan of seeing Floyd Mayweather dance around the ring for 12 rounds and never get hit, but also never have a chance of knocking anybody out. Yes. So I'm, I'm very interested just to get your big picture thoughts of kind of where college football is headed right now, because we've had more massive changes in the last yes. three years than we did in the first hundred years of college football with NIL, which we know it's not really NIL. We, we can call it that, but the majority of it is, is it's not even pay for play. Conrad is paid to attend. You're yes. giving a guy an NIL deal and he signs with your school. Great. If you can get your bag, go for it. Good for you. I, I'm not mad at it, but it is what it is. And now we have obviously this conference realignment, which looks like you and I've talked about this for a while, the bigger brands sort of pulling away mm-hmm. and being living on their own Island. It we're as close to that as we've ever been. From a business perspective, I'd just be interested to get your thoughts kind of like where do you – because the you also understand things from a network perspective, as in ESPN, NBC, Fox, USA, things of that nature. The networks are kind of running out of money here. It, yeah. there's not, they're not Scrooge McDuck you know, diving in their big giant room of coins and just swimming around all day long. We're going to run into a wall here at some point. I would love to hear from you from a business perspective. Like, like where do you think it's going? And, and do you think it's a, a healthy spot where it's going to potentially land one day? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, I think that college football has changed a lot. And I know you would argue probably for the worst. I know you and I had a debate or a discussion for a long time, and I knew where you stood on should we or shouldn't we pay players. As a sidebar, have you seen that Johnny Manziel Netflix thing? It's so good. It's one of the greatest things that Netflix has ever produced. And I understand it was controversial and a lot of people weren't happy with it, but very rarely did you see a college athlete just talk about, no, no, here's how I got paid. You almost never hear it just said out loud, especially in front of a camera. Also, I understand your agent and your legal representation probably had something to do with it. But when uncle Nate is essentially the one who made your transactions take place and came up with the plan to allow that to be accepted by the media. How do you walk away from that guy? Like, I I don't, I don't understand how you let that one fall apart. I mean, he's the reason that you were able to get all those trips to go hang out with Drake and South beach and Vegas and whatnot while you were playing at A&M. Nonetheless proceed. Yes. It's fantastic. I also too, the thing that stood out to me in that whole Manziel story is, you know, he was a Heisman finalist with Manti Teo. Yeah. And so you got this one kid who's getting paid to play and then they just come up with this quick cover cover story. Oh, he comes from oil money. Then you got the other kid who has a fake girlfriend and the media investigated neither one of those at all that year. Like, <laughs> was everybody asleep? Like, no, one person followed up. And I don't know what type of house Manziel's parents lived in, 
but I reckon you could probably drive past it and and pretty quickly discern they're oil tycoons or they're not. Right. Like you've been to my parents' house. They have a nice house, but nobody would mistake it for, boy, that's that oil money. (laughs) No, it's just a nice family home. Like they should have known better. Anyway, I know that you and I have differing opinions on should they pay the players or should, should they not? Uh, I was hoping they'd figure something out and my beloved NCAA football game would come back. And I guess there's some controversy around that now and we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I think the whole business is better than ever from a top line revenue, from a gross revenue standpoint. I think college football will continue to grow and get healthier and healthier. But I remember back in like, I don't know, the early nineties when free agency started in the NFL, people were saying, Oh, this is going to change everything. And it did. And I don't think that you have these players and teams that stick together for these monumental runs anymore. Now there's a lot of mercenaries, just guns for hire. That's now applied to college football. Uh, But you're exactly right. I think the whole revenue thing has now become, we're going to take control. And so I'm sure you know that the Cowboys have always had sort of their own separate deal. So you could go to like a lot of stores online and, hey, look, there's every team listed here where I could get a hat or a T-shirt or a jersey or what have you except the Cowboys. Now you had to buy that directly from them. They opted out. The Cowboys bet on themselves. And I think if you're the SEC or if you're Alabama and people like that, you're no longer as reliant on some of these other opportunities. Hey, man, we'll just sell our rights to Apple or to Amazon or to, I think that will continue to evolve. They'll have their own apps. They'll take control. They'll put their hands on the wheel. But if we don't keep those players together, and now it's kind of weird because whereas you know, for years and years, it felt like it was all about the coaches. Now it's not as much. I mean, certainly there's an emphasis there, but you've got like superstar college players who are getting paid and that's changed everything. And I, I know from the, you know, the, uh, the quality and the integrity of the game, certainly I recognize that's changed, but the revenues are up, 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 up and good for them. Yes, it, we. I had a conversation on the show about NIL a couple of weeks ago, Conrad, just talking about some of the some of the things that probably inherently happen subconsciously. Like, and you're an Alabama fan. We're going to get to that in a minute. But talking about Bryce Young and Will Anderson last year, not only are they the two alphas on the team, you know, the playmaker on offense, the playmaker on defense, and guys are kind of sitting back going, "Well, they always bail us out. They always make the play." There has to be a part of you too that looks over there and says. Oh, well, he's on the Dr. Pepper commercial. Oh, well, he yeah. got he got a he got a Powerade deal. Oh, well, he got a deal with Netflix, whatever it is, and saying, well, if he's got all the deals, he surely he'll make the play, right? I mean, he's he's the guy. And I, I don't think anybody intentionally thinks that way. But I just think when you're 19, 20 years old and somebody's getting everything and you're just getting like a little something, there's probably a party that's going, Well, he's got it all anyway, so why didn't he go make the damn play? I mean, that's and then they are the actual guy that makes most of the plays. So that's got to be a tough thing for some of the youngsters to be able to handle because, but, and then people are going to say, well, listen, it's, that's the way it happens in the NFL. The guards don't make as much as the quarterbacks, yeah. which is fair. Yeah, it's absolutely fair. Um, I wanted to talk I, to you about, go ahead. What do you got? I, I do think that it's interesting. And I know that, you know, me and you are diehard and we love college football and we watch it all doggone day, every Saturday that it's on. But you know, my dad, you've watched a game with my dad before. He's crazy fanatical and just super upset and very emotional. And I understand how you can get totally entrenched in that. And I know there was a time where you were like, I can't watch college football with anybody else because I have to be in the zone. I get that. <laughs> but like my dad flipping out on like a true freshman 
It's like, Dad, this guy who just ruined your life, as you told me, he was at prom a few months ago. Like, he's had a driver's license for a couple of years. Like, let's let's enjoy that this is still supposed to be a game. This is supposed to be fun. Um, but, yeah, that's not possible for those folks. And and the, the words that I've heard in the stands at Bryant-Denny about, I mean, this is several years into the championship run. You know, we would not convert a third down. And people around me are like, fire Nick Saban. And I'm like, are you serious? We are too lost in the sauce. Like, it's one down. What are we talking about? I, I, I hope that, you know, folks start to realize it's okay. You know, the, the, these guys just got a driver's license a few years ago. We don't have to wish death death upon them. Uh, total sidebar. Um, I, I would like to feel hear from you um, on the bullshit meter where this one falls. Uh, our friend Yamaha texts us that he can't believe it's a real text that he got this morning. He woke up at six to let the chickens out and feed the dogs, then went back to sleep. Uh, I, I, I know totally there are chickens and our dogs, but the six o'clock wake up part is the part that I'm struggling with a little bit. He doesn't have an option. Uh, he's got a half dozen cocks screaming at the top of their voice uh, every morning to wake him up. Seriously. I don't know if you've been over there. No, I've but seen the pictures. Got, yeah. He's got cocks running all over the yard. And so they, they, those cocks wake him up first thing every morning, whether he wants to wake up or not. The cocks are like, today's the day, big boy. Let's go. So he goes and feeds them and then they'll shut the hell up and he can go back to sleep. But he's kind of like the Ace Ventura of Huntsville. My man's got spiders. No, tarantulas. Let's be specific. He's got no, wolves. He's got multiple pit bulls. Uh, he's got a water monitor. That, by the way, is like a low-key dragon, you know, yeah. that doesn't breathe fire. And his wife actually puts it on a leash and walks it down the road. I've seen the picture, so I'm not making that up. Uh, he's got giant snakes, like a 10-foot snake. Uh, and he's got a whole bunch, and I mean a whole bunch of chickens. And as I said, at least half a dozen, maybe a full dozen cocks. And what's great is he, he got into the, the the chickens for the egg game, not the meat right. or his pets, but the egg game. And he tells me that, you know, they've got the cost of a dozen eggs down to just about $38. So that's that's working out in his favor right now. Just, that sounds like a better bargain than the 1,400-watt AM station that you were buying ads on in, in Huntsville uh, 20 years ago. Buddy, I was doing that just for you. I hope you know that. <laughs> well, he's got the lake. Maybe he, maybe he hops in. Um, one thing that that is that I love about you is – your fandom and your dad's fandom. And we did kind of a father's day episode on the show. And we asked, what was your greatest college football memory with your dad? Because I think all of us who love it inherently, that's a big reason why we do, whether he was dragging you to games or like you said, he was yelling at the TV and you were like 10 years old going, why is dad so pissed off at this guy? Yes. I've never heard of. Like, I don't understand why David Palmer just made him mad. Like what, what's, yes. what is happening here? Just take us back, like how your college football fandom started. Like how 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 was that created? Well, growing up in Alabama, as you know, it was uh, what's your name, where are you from, who do you pull for, and so it's uh, those three things in order. And where we grew up, it, your your options were Alabama or Auburn. And as we moved a little further north, sometimes you'd get a weirdo who'd say Tennessee. They'd be an outlier <laughs> though, but most of the time, you got to be an Alabama or an Auburn fan. And in my house, that was never an option. Like, 
I was an Alabama fan because his dad was an Alabama, my dad was an Alabama fan and his dad before him. And even on my mom's side, her dad was an Alabama fan. So all of her brothers were Alabama fans. So I didn't have a choice in my fandom, but as a kid, my dad just told me how great Alabama quote unquote used to be. And when we upset Miami in the sugar bowl and and won in 92, I was like, wow, I got to see one. This is pretty cool. And I knew I would never see another one. And then it happened again in 09 and, Man, we're playing with house money as far as my fandom goes. Like every year I'm prepared, like, okay, this is the year that we are not any good. Like we're not in the top 25 and it hasn't happened, but I know it will eventually, but yeah, my dad just lives and dies by it. And my greatest memory with him without question is being at the Georgia dome, the new Georgia dome, uh, where we had that big come from behind victory and beat Georgia at the very last minute. And Man, just being there with dad and my father-in-law was there. He actually hooked us up with tickets and we got to pregame with Darius Rucker and I got to toast with Stephen A at halftime. It was surreal, man. That was easily my favorite football memory with my dad. But uh, college football is very much a family thing and I don't know that I'll enjoy it as much without dad. You know, I'm not trying to speak that into existence, but I'm saying that is our thing. So every chance we get, we we try to get together and watch games. It doesn't have to be Alabama game, but like my dad won't watch one without me. So that's yeah. like our thing. And I think that's what's so cool about college football is what it does for families for real. No, it's, it's, you know, I, I, we spent some time talking about rivalries too. And, you know, my mom and dad went to South Carolina. My aunt played basketball at Clemson. Most of my family lives in Columbia. So I went to a bunch of those games growing up, but it's, you learn about rivalries really early, no matter who you root for when they have that game at the end of the season. And then when we moved to Alabama growing up, I wasn't really on one side or the other. So obviously I knew what it was all about because like you said, I was the weird kid, not picking Tennessee, but just that didn't necessarily walk around with Auburn and Alabama gear on every week. But I would always love watching both and love being a part of it. And uh, by the way, your Conrad's father-in-law, um, one uh, nature boy that you may have heard of before, is he ha- has he completely shifted to being a Georgia fan now, or is, is he still riding the fence of sometimes Florida fan, sometimes South Carolina fan, hybrid Alabama fan, occasionally? I don't know. Has USC entered the picture? Um, who who are no. who are we rooting for right now? Uh, whichever coach is nicest to him most recently. Uh, I mean, that's the way it is. So he was a, he was a Georgia fan and then Kirby didn't invite him to do something. So oh, I got the big F Kirby, uh, talk. And so now he's lately been a hardball guy. And I guess since they're ranked pretty highly this year, the Wolverines, he's, he's back on board with Michigan and, you know, he was trying to hang out with uh, Tom Brady down there in Tampa and it never happened, but they had a mutual acquaintance and uh, Ty Domi, and he just thought for sure it was going to happen, and it didn't. So uh, I guess this is maybe some uh, a scoop. Nick Saban asked him to come speak to the team. So I think we might actually have him as an Alabama fan, and technically his granddaughter is going to be a sophomore in Tuscaloosa this year, and she was on the Dean's list last year. So he needs to come over to the dark side and fully commit. I'd love to see him on the sidelines chopping you know, Big Al or something. Rick was taking Rick was taking advantage of the transfer portal way before players were. He was transfer portaling his fandom because uh, I've told you the story in 1990. I think it was eight. We go down to the swamp 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, there it's all it's w- all weird shaped. You know, it's like these hexagons up and whatever. However, the hell the architecture did it. And there's the one guy that they they like grandfathered him in. They let him have the sheet and he spray paints something on it every week. And he spray painted that week. Curse Auburn. But it was K-E-A-R-S-E for Javon Curse. I got you. And so I'm out there. I'm playing offensive line, you know, and Curse is making plays left and right. And every time Curse makes a play, he doesn't go to the bench. He goes to like the far left end of the bench where, you know, like they start letting the non-player people like where I have to stay when I'm calling a game. So like it gets a little ways through. And I'm like, where the hell is he going? Like where, where, what is he doing? So I kind of like linger a little bit after a series, probably three and out and I'm watching him and he's running over there and like chest bumping Rick after every series. And I'm just like, what the, yes, so much for that guy. Like I was, you know, I, I became a fan of anybody who was in the, in the ring against Rick at that point. Cause I was like, he's over there (laughs) cheering against us in the swamp. It's like, it wasn't hard enough playing, you know, Rex Grossman and Javon curse and whoever else the hell they had. Now they got Rick over there pumping them up at the same time. I was like, nobody got time for that. I don't need that in my life right now. Well, here's the good thing. Uh, in 1998, Eric Bischoff wasn't letting him win very many matches. So you got, (laughs) you got your wish. He got beat up every single Monday night. We've talked about villains before. And you and I've had the conversation like who who's the best heel all time in professional wrestling uh, for a while. It's really weird, Conrad, how this has gone, because Alabama slash Saban, like they played that heel role very well yes. from like, I don't know, nine ten to like 17, 18, maybe. I don't even know if it went that far. It kind of feels like that's gone away a little bit. It is. Do you see a heel like a true villain in college football right now? I mean, I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but I'll hate Urban Meyer forever and ever. Amen. So I think Urban Meyer's got to be on the list of great heels. What say you? Um, I mean, I do. Th- I think Kirby and Georgia are on the way because they're doing things. They're doing everything that everybody wants to do extremely well. They're recruiting as well or better than anybody. They are portaling as well or better than anybody. They are winning as well or better than anybody. And they're doing it in a way that a lot of people wish they could, which Mm. is just absolutely bludgeoning you on a weekly basis. And as we know, a lot of college football has gotten away from that. You know, know, the Alabama teams that you kind of re-fell in love with, with McElroy and those guys, I mean, they just beat the shit out of you every week. There's nothing you could do about it. And so he's kind of brought that back. So... I think everything that everybody wants to do, he's doing it really, really, really well and better than most. And so he's almost getting there. It's it's also like Harbaugh was there for a minute, right? And now mm-hmm. he's kind of this, oh, the NCAA hates him. He's just a funny guy. It's uh, He won some good, some big games. He beat Ohio State, so we don't have to hate him anymore. Like he can be, I think Lincoln Riley was maybe starting to head there, but that was mostly for Oklahoma fans. Like I'm sure Jr. hates Lincoln Riley. And just cause, just cause, you know, he, who, who wouldn't want to go live in Malibu in an eight and a half million dollar yeah. mansion and, and coach at USC yeah. in 72 degrees every day, God forbid somebody would, would, would want to go do that. But I just, I feel like it was Saban and Bama for so long. And I yes. don't know if we have like a true real villain in college football right now. I think the NWO, which uh, became like the cool heels for right. the first time in wrestling. So they're the bad guys, but you, you kind of are in on the gag. I think my NWO heel of college football is Lane Kiffin because that guy just talks trash everywhere 100%. he goes. 
And remember Hulk Hogan used to come out on Nitro and talk about how he's going to destroy Lex Luger and he's going to mop the floor with him or whatever. And then on the pay-per-view, Luger or Sting or whoever would beat him. And the next day he'd be like, I told you they couldn't beat me. I destroyed. And you're like, wait a minute. I just saw you get your butt kicked, but he made it happen and, and would just come out there and just bald face lie. I think that's Lane Kiffin. Like you, you know what he's saying. He's just saying to stir it up and you love him for it. Is, um, is Lane, if you had to, if you had to place him in a professional wrestler's, I guess, mantra over time, is it Rick? He's not, mm. he's not, he, he, I don't know if he's ever gone full heel the way Rick did at times early on, especially, but just sort of the whole, he's obviously not as outgoing in public as, as Rick was, but maybe he's the Miz. Okay. Because like the Miz has been to the top of the mountain, but nobody gives him credit for it and people sleep on him. But then every now and again, he'll pop out and cut a hell of a promo and then you see his wife and you see his accolades and you realize he's got a TV show and he's making bank. And you're like, you know, I, uh, I don't know why I don't like that guy, but I just don't. I think, I think maybe he's the Miz of college football. Who are the biggest college football fans in professional wrestling that people may not know? Like, obviously we know Tony is a Georgia guy and yep. you know, he does Georgia radio stuff. Uh, even though he doesn't know shit about college football, I've, I've challenged him for that conversation before <laughs> and he will not have it. Um, we know Jr. is the biggest Oklahoma Homer that there is out yes. there. And, and you know, he, he loves his Sooners. Who are some of the other big college football fans in professional wrestling? We mentioned Rick, but some of the other guys that people might not really know about. Kevin Nash played basketball at Tennessee. He is a huge fan. Um, so he's going to watch every SEC game every week. Mick Foley, believe it or not, is a sleeper. He is a, really? a sports junkie. Oh, See, man. I would, that's not one that I would have guessed. I wouldn't. I, college football, too? College basketball, NBA, college football, the NFL. He is the biggest sports junkie that's sort of under the radar, I think, in all of wrestling. Arn Anderson's a huge Georgia guy. Believe it or not, Kurt Angle's a big football guy. Before he got into wrestling, he got he was a football guy. So he like grew up and wanted to play for the Steelers. Instead, he just started, you know, taking care of Brock Lesnar and winning gold medals. Um who else? I mean, you know, you know, Roman Reigns played at Georgia Tech. Right. Yeah. You know, your boy Titus O'Neill played at Florida. Uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, he played down played at Troy. Troy. There, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, college football roots all through professional wrestling. Um, have we ever clarified? This is a long time rumor that I've heard. I don't even know if I've told you this story or asked you if this is real. Um, there is a story that I heard when. Kevin Nash was playing basketball at Tennessee and he was asked to leave the SEC tournament and they were staying in, I think the Marriott Marquis, whichever one has like the indoor lobby in Atlanta. And it's like, it's you and y'all and there may or may not have been a television thrown off from a couple of floors up into the lobby. And he was excused from that tournament. It could be total BS. I I don't know, but I feel like that Uh, may need some clarification there if at all possible. Here's what we do. Why don't we get him on your show here? And you guys can talk about Tennessee and his love. And uh, then you could just slip it in and just ask the man directly. I could line that up. Oh, we would like that. Uh, that, would, that would be a lot of fun. Um, I would also like to know just how painful that specific loss was for you last year. Uh, it was brutal. because, And here's what sucks about it. I was actually in Mexico City at a place called Gringo Barbecue. That's a real thing. I'm not making it up. And uh, 
It's just Texas barbecue in the middle of Mexico city, one of the largest cities in the world. And they happen to have American sports on every TV. So they're playing other games. And I have a friend who owns like, I guess you call him like the, the Mexican Vince McMahon. He owns triple uh, a, which is like the WWE of Mexico. And they're having their triple mania 30. So it's like when you and I went to WrestleMania 30, yeah. well, this is the Mexican equivalent. And I was supposed to be at that show, but I wanted to see the finish of this Alabama Tennessee game before I made my way over. So by the time I got over there, the start, the show had already started, but he called in a favor. So they had like a part upstairs. that was like a tequila bar where I could watch it. So our mutual friend, Dave green and I were there eating like roasted Turkey or something. And by the way, he was so, so sick from eating coconut shrimp the day before he was throwing up in planters out in front of a Ritz Carlton. So he is not wanting to be here. He's suffering really badly. I'm wearing out some turkey and watching Alabama. And then halfway through, like, I forget which overtime, they lose the feed completely. And we have to <laughs> battle to see the rest. So I have finished. I've been here for four hours at this point, and I'm not going to be able to see the finish. So I'm just refreshing it on my phone. And then we say, okay, screw it. Let's go to the arena. So, oh, and by the way, that Montezuma's Revenge stuff, that was real. I was very careful to only drink soda and stuff like that, but it turns out I forgot about the ice. So the second half of the game was particularly brutal to me and whoever had to clean up that bathroom. Mm, Not fun. No. All right. Well, um, tell our, tell, tell the folks that are college football fans that might be diving into this, that what they need to know about podcast heat, what you're doing and and everything else that they can now find under our channel. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, listen, we're growing a, uh, a new podcast network. We've got a little something for everybody. We've got comedy and we've got professional wrestling and we've got sports and we've got some, some lady shows and they'll continue to evolve. And we're actually thinking about launching a few more sports ones. But when we decided we wanted to jump into sports, Dave Green and I knew there's only one place to go and that's Cole Kublik. So you were our first call. You're our main event. You're our Ric Flair, our Hulk Hogan, our Roman Reigns of sports. But if you're into pro wrestling and I don't mean the current stuff, I mean the nostalgia. That's really what I do more so than yeah. wrestling podcasts. It's nostalgia podcast. We spend a lot of time talking about wrestling in the eighties and nineties with guys like Bruce Pritchard, who was Vince McMahon's right hand man, like Tony Schiavone, who was the voice of WCW, Jeff Jarrett, who's easily the most hated wrestler in the history of wrestling, Eric Bischoff, who created Goldberg and the NWO and Nitro and beat Vince, not once, not twice, but 83 weeks in a row. That's all on our network. And we've got other stars like Arn Anderson and Mick Foley and Ric Flair and everybody in between. Uh, so we've had a lot of fun, you know, developing wrestling content for folks. And I'm excited that we get to uh, bring college football to the forefront. If not for what the Iron Sheik turned into on Twitter late, would he be ahead of Jeff Jarrett as in the most hated wrestler of all time? No, because he, he really curried a lot of favor when he started banging on Hulk Hogan. You know, Hulk Hogan fell out of favor a few years ago. I don't know if you heard about this, but he's the most famous person you and I have ever met who has a sex tape. Uh, and so when that happened, there were some other things, I guess, that were said on that tape that, uh, yeah, made it in fashion to bag on Hulk Hogan. So I think the Iron Sheik, unfortunately, he passed away, but I think he passed away a baby face okay. just because he was so hard on Hulk Hogan. Well, I've told you before, uh, mine is always going to be Greg the Hammer Valentine because when he hit JYD with uh, Jimmy Hart's megaphone uh, that just 
that, that emotionally as an eight, seven, nine year old, whatever I was at the time, I was never able to get over it and um, still haven't forgiven him for it to this day. And I feel like he never even started to come to any sort of a face role at all. Like he always just stayed the asshole. I feel like, like my, forever. My favorite is when uh, they decided to put him with the honky tonk man. I guess they <laughs> ran out of ideas for him. So they made him get a haircut and dye his hair jet black. And it is the most silly looking performance I've ever seen. It's not his fault. Like he's been a badass wrestler his entire life. And now they're like, now we're going to make you look like Elvis, the fat years, which is not a look anybody wants. All right. Who, before I let you go, who's on the top of your bucket list all time. And who's on the top of your bucket list that, that is, you could, I guess it's still with us. Cause I think I know who's the all time. Cause, and, and he's not with us anymore. I think that one's going to be pretty easy. And, and who's on the top of your bucket list of professional wrestlers that you would not even do a, like a weekly, monthly podcast with, but just be able to sit down with and put something on tape, put something on video that you would have forever. Just sit down and have a discussion with, uh, from both of those standpoints, professional wrestlers. Well, folks who are no longer with us, I mean, it's got to be Dusty Rhodes, probably number one. Uh, Bobby. I would have said Andre. I I thought it would be Andre there. Well, that's yours. I know that for sure. But I I don't know that. I mean, the the stories and the wit and the humor. I mean, Andre wasn't always the best communicator. I mean, he was ESL as hell. Uh, So I would go Dusty as one A and 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 Bobby Heenan as one B. But yeah, Andre would be up there on the list for sure, especially if we could. There are some subtitles across the bottom. I mean, that dude is the original attraction. Yes. I don't know if I don't know if Cassio sent you this, but uh hashtag humble brag. I was recently uh put into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. And so we got to go to the museum and they had an actual photo there of Andre's hand. And Cassio laid his hand over Andre's hand and we snapped a picture. And I, I asked the collector who brought it, I said, listen, that could just be you know, they magnified it. They blew it up. And he had an x-ray. He had an x-ray of Andre's hand and you could lay it right over that hand. And that was legit. But dude, it looked like Cassio was wearing a catcher's mitt. <laughs> and, and, and when I really understood that, I started to say to myself, self, I bet. And I brought that story up to Jim Ross and Jim Ross on our podcast, Grilling JR that comes out on Thursdays, anywhere you enjoy podcasts, cheap plug. He said, yeah, when he first came, to uh, Oklahoma and I was driving, uh, for, for his promoter who just happened to be blind. Uh, I was asked by one of the ladies if I could snap a picture of Andre with a Polaroid camera getting out of the shower. And I said, wait, what? He goes, yeah, these ladies would approach me, bring me a Polaroid and say, if you'll take this into the, into the locker room and snap me a picture of Andre getting out of the shower, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And so there was like a long pause. And then I asked, well, what'd you do with, what'd you spend the money on? Because to me, it's like, you just go to Andre and you're like, I'm going to cut you in here. We're going to go 50, 50. Andre would have been cool with that. So we started selling a shirt because we're scoundrels and degenerates. Uh, I got that Andre hog meat money, but can you imagine like being that? I don't know. We're talking about the seventies. This is long before there was a fattening right. or a DMZ or any of that. There weren't celebrity nudes, I guess, in the 70s. But, yeah, there was a curiosity there. But, anyway, of the folks who were alive, man, you know, I'd love to just have as much time as I could getting the stone-cold truth, pardon the pun, from Vince McMahon. I mean, that dude, 
the things he's had to do to keep that company alive. And I know he's in a little bit of trouble right now, but he has been before and he always comes up better on the other side. I don't know if you saw, but a few days ago, that stock closed at an all time high, 114 bucks a share. And Endeavor says they're going to have that merger done and the new company created with WWE and, and UFC sometime in September. And just that alone made the dude an extra billion dollars. Like there's never been a strategy, uh, you know, a, a strategist like Vince McMahon ever. So to just get the unfiltered truth from him, man, that'd be a dream come true. No, I think that if he would, if he would really sit down and, and open up with you, the things that he actually knew, the things that yes. happened sort of by accident or happenstance, the timing on certain things, that would be absolutely remarkable. Conrad, thanks for sitting down with us, man. Um, always appreciate you, everything you've done for me. And I'm uh, excited to be a part of the team, man. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, let's get some, let's get Nash on, get the Tennessee talk going. We got to get JR going, get some Oklahoma talk. It. Yeah. And, and, then, and then you could play a game with Rick. Who are you a fan of today? I love you know, that. Like, I, 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 I feel like that's a weekly segment, like, especially when his team that he's rooting for now loses and he's got, he has to switch to somebody else that would yes. have some fun with that. Uh, he's, he's playing whack-a-mole, you know, Oh, a bad story came out about Georgia done with them. Now I'm an Alabama <laughs> fan. Oh, Alabama lost done with them. Now I'm a Michigan fan. Like I've seen him in the middle of a playoff game, switch sides. It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, he love is it. the ultimate bad guy. You know, everybody knew you couldn't trust the four horsemen. Sting found out the hard way. Absolutely. All right, Connor. I appreciate the time, man. Always good stuff. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, congrats, man. We're excited to have you uh, telling your stories nationwide, worldwide. Look at you, baby. Growing Let's and growing. Let's go. Absolutely. Oh. A, little, uh, a little different take on a conversation with Cole here at Cube Show. Uh, not our regular college football segment, but wanted to get Conrad on, talk about a couple of different things, and uh, we'll do it again soon. BiggerPockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.